much love. And the days go by, like a strand in the wind, in the web that is my own, I begin again. Said to my friend, baby, nothing else mattered. It's episode two, season six of Ravage Love. That's a little Edge of Seventeen for you, Julie. Well, little Edge of Seventeen. Love that. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Hello, Renee. I think it's, a, I think it's about, like, going to fairyland. I, I, uh, I mean, it could. She, Maybe. I mean, she is a witchy gal. She's so witchy, right? She's the OG... Yeah, truly. I'm I'm like obsessed with this meme about her doing Silver Springs <laughs> and like hexing Lindsay Buckingham. Like I'm obsessed with it. And I like if you fast forward that song to the middle, you get right to the good stuff. And like every day I listen to it, I'm just like, fucking hex him, girl. Do it <laughs> oh, all day, every day. But uh, yeah, I love it. I love Stevie. And I think Stevie would love our uh, our topic this week. Absolutely, because our topic this week is she was a fairy. <laughs> fairies, fairies is our theme for this week, which shockingly we have not done in our six seasons. We've had books that featured fairies or had fairies yeah. as part of it, as part of the world, but we've actually mm-hmm. never done a full episode on the theme of fairies. And so here we are. I. I went capital B basic. I'm a basic bitch this week, Renee. Mm-hmm. Basic yeah, bitch. You, but you know what? You went all in. I went all in. You're I went no slouch. Usually here on Ravage Love, we try to find a little niche stuff, maybe stuff that's really, really old. Occasionally, we'll do a classic that's well known, but we rarely do a book that's like crushing it on the bestseller list in modern times. But you can't do fairies and a podcast about romance if you're not going to do... A Court of Thorns and Roses by Mm -hmm. Sarah J. Mass. Mm -hmm. Because this woman is fucking everywhere. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So this book, the first in the series, came out in, I believe it's 2015. uh, Which is wild to me because this book is over 400 pages. We're in 2024, so it's only been nine years And we have this first one, which is A Court of Thorns and Roses, then A Court of Mist and Fury, A Court of Wings and Ruin, A Court of Frost and Starlight, A Court of Silver Flames. There's even a Court of Thorns and Roses coloring book. (laughs) Of course there is. (laughs) So Sarah J. Mass is the number one New York Times and internationally bestselling author of the Court Court of Thorns and Roses series as well as the crescent series crescent city series and throne of glass series she's like churning out more books than fucking stephen king at this point her books have sold literally millions of copies and have been published in 38 languages and she lives with her family in new york city and these books i mean it's very interesting if you google A Court of Thorns and Roses, you will see automatically in the, like, people also ask, is it spicy and is it appropriate for, like, a 12, 13-year-old? I know so many preteen and teenage girls that are crushing this book and this series. (laughs) And so I 
I picked it up, y'all. Now, I don't read fantasy. Certainly don't read high fantasy. I'm not, that's not really my jam. So I say all this because there, if you've never read fantasy, there is so much world building. There is so much detail. There is so much, like you're very rarely going to find a novella that's fantasy because there's a lot of world building that needs to happen. So I am parsing this down in a big way because it's, we could spend an hour of me just describing this book to folks. Now, this is also a book that Renee has read, correct? I have. I have the second one, in fact, and I was going to read it for the show, but decided against it. But yeah, I I am invested. I not I, I not I'm not like a fan. Like I didn't I didn't love the first book, but I liked it enough that I was like, what happens next? And does it get spicy? <laughs> exactly. And that is, I would say, the feedback I've gotten from most people, which is A Court of Thorns and Roses is by no means the best book in the series. It's probably the weakest one, according to most people. But you do have to, because it's fantasy, you gotta read it in order to get the rest of the story. And mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. I can't I can't imagine a world in which I could have just hopped into this midway through because it's a lot of world building. Also, I am ESL. French is my first language. You gonna give me some motherfucking fantasy names? <laughs> this motherfucker, I can't. How do you pronounce Farah? Is that her name? I'm know. calling her Maybe. Fifi Dobson. Okay, we're calling Love her it. Fifi because it's spelled F E Y R E. And I googled it and I found multiple YouTube videos of multiple people pronouncing it in different ways. I think it's Farah. We're calling her yeah. Fifi. Okay. Love it. So the best way I could describe this book to people is that it's Hunger Games meets Beauty and the Beast. It starts Perfect. off very Hunger Gamesy. Basically, Fifi and her family were real wealthy, real bougie, living the high life, and then they fell into hard times. Her dad was in major debt. Debt collectors come. The mom passes away. Debt collectors come, beat the shit out of the dad. So now not only are they living in poverty, they also are three daughters and one disabled dad. And the sisters are as useful as tits on a nun. They're so used to their like bougie existence that they refuse to raise a single solitary finger. And so Fifi, who is the youngest, we know that she's carrying something heavy in her heart, which is on her mother's deathbed. She pulled her aside and said, you have to take care of this family. Now, her mother was a cold, distant bitch who loved to drink and party. Why she chose her youngest child to put that responsibility on, who knows? But in their culture, in this world, a promise is a promise is a promise is a promise. So even though she's not getting any help at home, Fifi is out in these streets teaching herself how to hunt so that she can feed the family. But times are tough, weather's bad, and so she has to go further and further out into the forest in order to hunt. Problem is... They are living adjacent to where the fairies live, which is dangerous territory for humans to go. So she knows the deeper she goes into the woods, the more likely she is to run into a fairy who are lethal people who can be killed with uh, an ash, ash wood or with iron. Um, What we know about fairies is that they hate human beings. 
They are incapable of lying, but they are nasty and out to kill human beings just for shits and giggles because they're dicks. So she's out there. She sees a deer. She's fucking stoked. Oh my God, this deer will feed this family for a week. Amazing. She goes to shoot the deer and sees a pair of eyeballs glowing at her out emerges from the woods. A massive wolf, like ginormous. She's like, could that be a fairy? And then she's like, I don't know, but it's fucking huge and it's going to kill me. So she kills the deer and she kills the wolf and then realizes, huh, this wolf died and it's still in the shape of a wolf. So it clearly was not a fairy because fairies are shapeshifters and this did not shift back into a fairy. So I just killed a giant wolf so much so that I can't carry this deer and this wolf home with me because I'm one gal. So she skins the wolf throws it on the deer, throws the deer on her back, heads home. Her, frankly, unrealistically ungrateful family. Like that that whole plot point of the family just being so awful to her. I'm like, you took evil stepsisters and you fucking cranked it up to 11. Like there's just no way they would be this awful to you. But I digress. Comes home. The family's just like, uh, you smell like shit. And she's like, well, I would take a bath, but there's no hot water. And why is there no hot water? Because you wouldn't chop wood so that I could fucking heat up some water and take a bath. You ungrateful goddamn bitch. So the next day she goes into town with the pelts to sell them and a mercenary gives her way more money than most people will and says like, you are clearly on the struggle bus. You're clearly doing the most that you can, but like you also caught this giant wolf, which means you were deep in the woods and you should be careful because shit's not safe. Her sisters are delighted because she made all this money on these pelts. And so they're off gallivanting by themselves little trinkets and dresses and shoes and shit. She comes home and is trying to make food and just like, you know, exist in this world where everyone's awful to her. And all of a sudden, a massive beast barges into their tiny little house and screams at them that they are murderers. And they're like, oh my God, this is a werewolf. Oh my God, is it a fairy that shifted into a werewolf? What the fuck? Then she is like, they're like, who killed? Who killed him? And she's like, uh, I killed a wolf. I didn't kill a fairy. And they're like, you killed a fairy, bitch. And our treaty with humans is eye for an eye. So you go and die now, bitch. And she's like, Okay, um, very quickly, like in 30 seconds, explains to her family how they can hunt and skin animals to survive. <laughs> and then it's just like, can you at least kill me outside so my family doesn't have to witness it? Bye! And then just leaves. <laughs> and the wolf is like, oh, I'm not going to kill you. It's a life for a life in that uh, you have to come with me now and live in my world and you never get to come back here ever again. And so she leaves on the horse with this wolf and then it's the voyage is going on and on and on. And then she starts asking a bunch of questions because she's basically trying to plot an escape. And then the guy is basically like, shut the fuck up. So he casts a spell on her and she's completely unconscious. And when she awakens, she's in a beautiful land in front of a beautiful home and there's birds chirping and everything is beautiful and shiny and quiet and calm. And she was just like, what? I was told that y'all are like animals who live like disgusting savages. What the fuck is going on? She goes into this house and then 
And then I, you get a sense, again, because this is a romance that everyone keeps telling you is spicy. You get the sense that this is turning into an eyes wide shut situation <laughs> because she goes into this giant mansion and all of a sudden there's just beautiful people wearing masks, like wearing masquerade masks. And this giant wolf beast creature sits at the table, all of a sudden morphs into a beautiful man. And she realizes not only is this dude a fairy, he's a high fairy. Like he's a fucking priest in the fairy world. He is fancy pants. And his name is Tamlin. So we're going to call him Tam Tams. So Tam Tams. <laughs> Tam Tams is like, bitch, you are malnourished. You are disgusting. You clearly need to eat. Here's this beautiful spread. And she's like, ah, I was told never to eat food from fairies. Fuck you. And basically kind of does the old spit in the face of like, Fuck you. I'm going to get away from here. You're not going to make me into a slave. Da, da 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 I'm not eating your food. And he was like, mm, suit yourself. Also, you're not a slave. You can literally do whatever the fuck you want. You just have to live in our fairy land. And there are names for these fairy lands, but I can't pronounce them. So we're rolling with it. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I'm not a slave. You're not going to like make me work in your kitchen. You're not going to like sex traffic me. And he's like, no, I literally don't give a shit what you do. You just have to live here. And she's like, but you don't understand. Like, I made a promise to my family, to my dying mother, that I would take care of my family. And, like, they can't do shit. They can't even chop wood without me. Like, they are going to die. And he's like, do you think I'm cruel? I'm not a cruel person. You're the cruel person. You killed my friend unprovoked. And she's like, well, I didn't know that he was a fairy. I thought it was just a wolf. And he's like, I don't give a shit. You killed and skinned my friend and left him in the fucking woods but I'm not the cruel one. Your family will be taken care of. I assure you. She's like, really? And he's like, yeah. So you just got to live here. That's it. And so then she started to be like, okay, well, what the fuck is my life going to be? And this is where, uh, so I'm going <laughs> to skip ahead about a bunch of things. So you find out that the reason why they're wearing masks is because they are suffering from something called the blight, which is basically someone is fucking with their magic and so they need to cover their faces in order to protect themselves from the blight, which is the magic going all fucking sideways. And unsurprisingly, then he has a little friend named Lucien and he's like his little buddy and they're always together. And there's like a little bit of a situation going on there. And basically this fucking woman is determined to escape and they keep telling her, you can literally do whatever the fuck you want. We are not going to kill you. But fairies as a whole do not take kindly to your kind. So feel free to gallivant if you want to, but you're going to die. And if you die, then I can't protect your family anymore because the help that I'm giving them will also evaporate. So like, just chill. And you learn that because of her conditions, she never learned to read or write. You also learn that she loves to paint and he also loves art. And so they learn... They start to sort of like build a bit of a bond over their love of art. And this is where it begins. So it starts off Hunger Games. Then it goes Beauty and the Beast. And then it returns to Hunger Games because truly 5,000 million things happen in this book. But <laughs> it gets down to the point where she has to then pass these three tests in order to lift the curse that is cursing all of the fairies. And as part of it, she goes back home and she realizes that her family really truly is living the high life that the fairies really did take care of them because they cast a spell on them where they got them to think that they never went into poverty in the first place, that their lives were always 
peachy keen delicious and they always had money and they always had things um and so she's like assured that they're taken care of and has to pass these three challenges and then i won't even get through all the challenges because it's a whole fucking thing this is where the hunger games portion comes out (laughs) and it ends with you gotta kill these you have to not kill pardon me you have to stab three fairies in the heart and if you do that then we will lift the curse and everyone gets to be free and happy again she does not want to kill people the first person screams and yells and fights her and it absolutely tortures her the second person is like my body is ready just fucking take me the third person she goes to remove the mask realizes it's tamlin and then has this realization that she has to either kill the love of her life because of course she falls in love with the beast we've all watched beauty and the beast She either has to kill him and free everybody or kill herself and then she doesn't have to kill him, but then they don't get to be free. And then she has this realization that he had sort of hinted to her through metaphor and poetry that he had a heart of stone and she thought it was just in metaphor and realizes he was trying to tell her, no, for real, for real, I have a heart made of stone. So she stabs him in the heart which can't actually really truly kill him. And then the curse is somewhat lifted, but then she realizes that the evil woman who put the curse on them in the first place is like, yeah, I said I would free you, but like, I didn't say when, and then proceeds to beat the shit out of her. (laughs) And then she realizes that there's like a code word that she could say that will break the curse. And the code word is about love. And she realizes I love Tamlin and love will set you free and love is the antidote to the curse. And in fact, the curse was actually not about stabbing people in the heart, but about getting a non-believer to fall in love with a fairy, which this high priestess evil woman thought there's no way in hell that would ever happen. So therefore, what a perfect way to put a curse on somebody. And that's more or less the ending of the book. Did I miss anything pertinent, Renee? I mean, not to me. In fact, I think that was delightful. Oh, uh, a very delightful retelling of it because I read, I read it. Gosh, it must have been last year or the year before. Um, so I, I, that was a really good recap. That was like the recap I want at the beginning of like a new season of TV. It was perfect. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, thank you. Such a compliment. Um, I'll say I didn't loathe this book but admittedly i also didn't go into it i was pretty ambivalent going into it in the sense that i was like uh i don't love fantasy but also if it's a quick read like i loved reading the first hunger games i really did devour it like it's fast paced you know it's not too heavy on the brain and i did find i don't know about you but i did find especially the beginning very Mm. compelling like it's a page turner the pace yeah. the pacing is really good it's not like it doesn't get too drawn out at certain portions and like i said i left out a lot um i'm going to assume these particular characters have more of a uh purpose later on in the books but i did like how when she goes into town to sell the pelts at the beginning of the book she runs into these people that we would call like cult followers and they're actually hardcore evangelical believers in fairies basically and they're like this cult that tries to recruit people to love fairies and i thought that was like an interesting plot point because i absolutely believe something like that would happen like in any Mm -hmm. version of reality any multiverse any you know whatever there were people who were like that so 
what bothered me about the book is first of all i don't know if it's that ravage love has rotted my goddamn brain but like it's not spicy (laughs) no no and so i'm like i don't know if i've just like if i'm like a teenage boy that's consumed too much porn in the in like the form of romance that now i'm just like it has to get weirder for me to be into it but i you know me i read some chaste stuff on the podcast but like it people talk about it like it's like woo fan yourself girl because you're gonna get steamy it's not now again no is it later on is it the other books that get yeah okay i think it's the third or fourth book is like i actually found a reel that i was gonna send you after you read this book from one of the other books where she's talking about how much she loves like his whoever she fucked her the semen inside of her so like it does get a lot spicier um but the first book's not but what i i just realized you forgot to mention that her reward for freeing everybody was they make her a high fairy that's as you were talking i was like i just realized that i forgot to say the actual true ending is not just that like she gets to be with the man that she loves and the curse is lifted or whatever but that she because she when she gets the shit kicked out of her like she dies because she's a human being and this woman is kicking the shit out of her so she actually dies and they like bring her back to life so to speak and make her uh an immortal high fairy so now she's like one of them um so yeah also she makes a deal with the with like the other fairy right and the deal is that like she has to spend i think like a week or two every month with him Mm -hmm. and that's relevant because in the second book i only read like the first chapter but she's miserable because she's immortal and can't get a hold of her like immortal body but also she wants to go hang out with this guy and her husband's like "Mm, don't love that and she's like no fuck you so that's kind of how the second book goes and Mm -hmm. i think that's when like it, it starts to get really spicy more interesting yeah 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 yeah. i mean like i said i i didn't hate it i wouldn't say i loved it i might keep reading some i did read that there is a mini series coming and i do think i would watch that i also think it was it's prime for a mini series like this is absolutely something that would do, you know translate well to the screen but in terms of spice like i don't know three out of five maybe yeah um but yeah i mean what bothered me about it honestly the most was that i felt like the character like fifi was just like inconsistent the way she was written like she taught herself how to hunt she was pretty self-sufficient when she was at home in her village. Like she even had like a, like a booty call situation where like, she was like fucking this local guy and it was just like no strings attached. She just was like, we go and get ours and like our little shed. And then she finds out he's getting married and she's like, okay, I guess the booty calls are off. Like, so she's like very independent and smart. And then she just makes so many stupid decisions when she's in the fairy world of like constantly trying to escape. And you're like, girl, it's not going to happen for you and like also you have a pretty sick life here and your family's taken care of so like why endanger them and also like why are you so hungry to go back to people who fucking hate you like that just seemed weird and like she just made a lot of stupid decisions that just seemed to me like not what fifi the character at the beginning would have done 
So that felt a bit messy, but even you go and read the reviews and even a friend of mine who like crushed all the whole series during her pregnancy, she said like the first one is like, it's a bit of a rocky start, but she was like, clearly the author, like Sarah J. Mass ages and gets more experience and writing. And so like the writing gets better, the plot gets a bit tighter and that kind of thing. So all in all, if you want, like I would say it's a great beach read like on a plane like it's really not it's not high fantasy in that you're like oh my god i gotta remember 45 different characters and like different plot like no it's not that level of that it's very easy to follow it's fairly well written um yeah but uh certainly not something i would have picked up if it wasn't for the podcast i'll tell you that right quick. <laughs> so uh, a court of thorns and roses i will also say i like the cover I know that's a simple thing, but the cover yeah. I have, it's got like a wolf with a dagger going through it. And you're like, looks kind of looks like a Chinese dragon from far away. You're like, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. So that was uh, a court of thorns and roses. What I think is an, and how do you say the acronym that people say, Renee? How uh, do you pronounce it? I say ACOTAR, but I don't think that's right. <laughs> Well, that's what I was saying. And I'm like, is it Akotar or Akotar? Anyways, if you are not familiar with what we're talking about, if you go online, if you go on social media, if you go anywhere and you literally put in like A-C-O-T-A-R, you will, everything comes up. Hashtags. It's sort of, that's yeah. the, the labeling of the series. So, yeah. I mean, here's how I would have improved that book. Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes in the village to sell the pelt she meets this like warrior woman and she just runs away with the warrior woman laughing oh my god a hundred percent and the whole time they were describing this warrior woman i was like first of all (laughs) tell me more about this mercenary because she sounds hot as fuck Mm -hmm. and she was giving me the energy of uh ah what's her name the woman knight character in game of thrones gwendolyn christie yes i can't remember her name on the show yeah Gwendolyn Christie is six foot two, flat footed, and she's like a badass warrior woman who's still like basically extremely queer coded, and I love it. And that is the energy I got from that mercenary. And I was like, yeah. I'll read a whole fucking story about that woman. Give me more about her. Uh, In my mind, she was like, like, j- like so close to being an orc woman mm-hmm. that like she might as well have just been, but she was just like a giant butchy woman. And I was like, yum, yum, yum. yeah, hundred percent. I was like, I'm kind of afraid of you and wet at the same time. That's how I felt reading about her. And then you don't really come back to her. And I'm like, I hope she can come back to her later on because she was my favorite. Yeah. Step on her. Like, that's all I want. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Hondo. But you're absolutely right. Yeah. That's story. I would have read that story. You know what we need? Listeners, this is us throwing out a challenge to all of you. We need a queer reimagining of a court of thorns and roses from the perspective of the mercenary and her harem of hot women that she just fucks from town to town. That's what I want to read. I actually read an arc this week called um, How to Become... I think it's called How to Become the dark lord or die trying oh love it, that! it was so good but then ended on a cliffhanger and i was like how dare you give me a cliffhanger <laughs> as an arc um because it was fucking amazing i loved it um so funny definitely recommend it everybody get one um but it had that energy like it it was like this 
like queer protagonist who um yeah basically like fucks her way th- from town to town and and, and in this story lifetime to lifetime and um she settles with like a butchy orc woman and loves it i love and, this uh, yeah so if you want that energy yeah <laughs> read how to become a dark lord or die trying yeah incredible uh tell us what you read renee Jesus Christ. Um, so I do read fantasy books. I want to put that out there right away. I read fantasy books because sometimes I need a break from horror, but I still want to like annotate and hallucinate and dissociate. So <laughs> I will read fantasy because it, it's going to have all the things I want, right? It's going to have magic. It's going to have revenge. It's going to have like, you know, bamboozles. It can have everything. And so I'll read a lot of fantasy. And I do read fairy fantasy. It comes up. Um, it's not my favorite genre of fantasy because there's only one story you can tell. And the story is there's a girl who's boring and not pretty. And yet the high fae, which are kings, they're not priests. And that's okay. Um, they are just like tripping over themselves trying to like get in to her vagina because she's prophesized. And then, Oh, secretly she might also be um, like, like a fairy orphan that got sent to the mortal realm and she doesn't remember her past and doesn't know of her powers, but you know, and it's always the same thing. And then there's going to be a trial and there's going to be like a battle and then she's gonna have to prove her love. And it's every single one. So, Sarah J. Maas did not invent this trope. It's existed <laughs> forever. And I read two different fairy books because the first one was that trope except in a reverse harem situation. And I realized after when it left on a cliffhanger that I was like, I'm not fucking reading the next one. <laughs> and then I went and read the reviews and everybody was like, this didn't make sense. And I'm like, thank you. Okay. So what else can I find? And I wanted something original i didn't want that trope i wanted something totally unique um and i found it i had to go to i think i told you like the third or fourth page of the kindle um like options for fairy erotica (laughs) uh sorry fae erotica and i found i can't believe i found this book it was awful just fuck awful and um (laughs) but ridiculous and way too long so the first book i read was like about 200 pages this one was 240 pages and it oh it just would not end it would not end okay i'm gonna do this quick because it's fucking stupid (laughs) it was well written it was well written okay but our author just wouldn't stop talking you know what I mean? Like, she just would not stop talking. <laughs> so I read Trance Maker by okay. Carolyn Waters. Okay. Okay. All right. So we got Kai. And Kai is just a boring girl who works in a law office, and she has been fired. She's been fired because she's been acting strangely. She She's been having these big blanks in her memory, and she is just eager to get home every day don't know why just mental fog all day long so she's driving home um and she is um sad because she's been fired but she notices that she's like actually really eager to get home and she's like oh that's weird so she calls her best friend sandy 
doesn't know why because as she's driving she's like oh, i actually really just want to get home now like why did i call sandy so she calls sandy her best friend they've been best friends since high school and she's like oh i got fired and her friend's like what do you what and like she hasn't seen sandy in a while and part of this is because sandy got married to a guy named tanner fuck tanner and tanner owns a club and sandy works at the club and it's a lifestyle um that kai is not really into but she decides okay how about we grab some like lunch or something tomorrow i'll come by the club and um we'll just catch up and sandy's like that sounds great i can't wait to see you perfect so kai finally gets home and she's fucking thrilled and without meaning to she doesn't realize what she's doing but there, she finds this letter on a piece of parchment in her drawer and there's a language on it that is not English, but it disappears. And then immediately she gets this gold key, goes into her closet, moves a panel, and there's a safe. And then in the safe, there's like a bag of stuff. And she's just like methodically going through, like she's done this a million times. Well, she has done it a million times because she's under a spell. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So the bag is full of nipple clamps and a ball gag and chains and collars and like wrist things and, and ankle things and a big honking dildo. And um, so she just starts clipping it all over. She knows what to do. So this isn't news. Um And then she goes and I guess gets on all fours in front of a giant mirror in her living room. And she's like excited. She's fucking excited because master is coming, Julie. Ooh. Master's coming. And this might be the time he finally fucks her. Um, But she has to be obedient, right? Like that's, that's what needs to happen. She has to be obedient um, or else never going to happen. So she's waiting there for him and he's kind of like monologuing. Um, and then he starts to work on her invisible tattoo. Um, but in the meantime, she is focused on this like gem that he has this like red glowing gem that she is like, cannot stop looking at. And he's like, Yes, pet. Just look at it. Perfect. And so she's like hypnotized by this gem and he's tattooing her. Now, how is he tattooing her? You might ask, how does this hypnotist doing this? Well, we learn pretty quickly. He's like some kind of supernatural creature and he's got these like spindly fingers. And what he does is he dunks his fingers inside her pussy juices and then uses the pussy juice to tattoo this big thing on her but it takes a lot of magic so he can't complete it all at once and it's all like this invisible tattoo of chains and like naked women all this stuff and she can't see it otherwise um and then to reward her he like like gets her off with this big old dildo okay but then she forgets everything she completely forgets everything that's happened so she doesn't she doesn't know what's going on there's no visible tattoo um she just has these like blanks right so next day she's rushing to get over to this club she gets there and she's let in um and the person that greets her at the door is like a ringmaster almost um and this is tanner sandy's husband now 
The subculture of this club is that it is a cyberpunk goth club. So just keep that in mind. So she meets Sandy. She's kind of telling her her woes. And she's dressed not in the right shape for this club. So Sandy says, you know, I could tell there's a lot going on with you right now. And we actually have a new employee. Her name is Moraine. And she's a bit of a mystic. Um, and she's also a registered therapist. So, like, maybe you could talk to her. Um, and she's 100% success rate. I don't know what that means. What does that mean for a therapist? 100% success <laughs> None rate. None of her clients killed themselves. I don't know. Maybe. But she can, like, read the future or whatever. So she's like, I want you to meet her. Um, but before you do, like, you got to change. And she's like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you're not in the right set for the club right julie there must have been a 25 page fucking makeover montage <laughs> in this book a real it, what not to wear situation or like miscongeniality where they like totally give her a makeover yes but it was like she's becoming cyber goth punk like gothic like it was so fucking stupid. <laughs> I, it wouldn't end. It wouldn't end. And then for the rest of the book, everything was like, I am goth. I was like, are you invading the Balkans tomorrow? What do you mean you're goth? Shut the fuck up. Anyway, so the reason they give for her needing to change her entire style is to open herself up to change and possibility. I'm like, okay, get fucked. Like, there's nothing. This is stupid. So, Sandy takes her to this humongous closet that's just full of cyber goth wear. <laughs> like, I'm talking goggles. I'm talking wigs with yes. dreadlocks in it. Like, and I'm not I'm not trying to drag the culture because, girl, you know. Oh, like, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. You and I know. You and I know. Um, But it was fucking stupid. And then because, like, she's, like, Sandy's putting, like, leather on her and stuff, she's starting to get triggered by her experiences with this daddy that she's seen in her subconscious um she's like yes mistress and then in her head she's like i'll be your good goth slave and i was like shut the fuck up like i hope you die i hope you just die like whatever this bullshit is so she goes and she meets moraine and moraine is like i'm a pathfinder and i will help you navigate possible futures and she does this dance and then this like ancient mask comes down from the ceiling but it's also rigged up with neon green tubing that's emitting gas. So I'm like, why'd you got to, like, why does this scene have to go ruin a good thing? Like, we would never touch antiques like that. And yet here it is in this book. Um, and so she gets high and then she blacks out and is shown these possible futures. One of the futures is where she's getting skull fucked. Not sure by who. Ooh. Yeah. And she's like, I love it. I was like, no, you don't. I know you don't. Nobody, nobody likes that. And the way it's described in this book is also not appealing. Then the next possible future is fucking wacky. And so I'm going to read that to you because it basically shows her that this magician, this like fairy wizard that's been seeing her on the DL is using her body to become um like 
a means for his revenge. And he's going to turn her into an elemental bomb. And that's why he won't fuck her. Because once he fucks her, that's when she turns into the elemental bomb. And he needs that bomb to um, blow up a king. Hmm. Yeah. And it it's very, it's very, I thought it was funny. Um, it's actually not. It's really terrible and horrifying. But um, I mean, that's what I'm going to read for you. So I'm not going to get into it too much. So she wakes up from this. But she can't remember. So like this this psychic or whatever is like, tell me everything. And she's like, I can't. And she's like, well, you better fucking think about it, buddy, because your life is in danger. Um, <laughs> so while she's at this club, she meets this guy. I don't know what his name is. We'll call him Hamish. It's not that. Um, but something like that. And um He's like super into her. We learn later he's the prime minister of Fairyland. I don't, <laughs> okay, okay. Um, he's the, he's the Justin Trudeau of Fairyland, and um, <laughs> and so she's not feeling so hot, and but she she feels sexy because of her new style. So her friend Sandy's like, "I'm gonna drive you home. Um, let's go get some lunch or something." So, but um, she's like okay, yeah, let's get some lunch. But then she really wants to go home, right? She's starting to get that, like, pull to go back home and, like, get tattooed up with her pussy juice and stuff. And um, she's like, I forgot my purse at home. And so her friend takes her home. And then she goes and, like, starts the process of getting the stuff out of the uh, the closet and all this. And then um, as she's getting ready to go into her living room, she hears a scream. And it's that the wizard is there and he he caught her friend well it turns out that her friend is a princess she's a fairy princess okay this guy this this magic this wizard got fired and cast out of the fairy court because of a spell that he did wrong that killed our main character's parents because they were also fairies. So she was she grew up in foster care, somehow made it to university enough to work in a legal office and become boring as hell. She's <laughs> a fairy the whole time. Like, get fucked. Um, so he's using Kai to get back at this king who is the dad of her best friend. Okay? All right. So now he's got two fairies to use for his plan so he's like cannot believe his good fortune he just can't yeah he's like oh, what did i do to deserve this this gift so he pulls out another gem and it's a purple one this time and he starts hypnotizing her friend and meanwhile kyle is like oh my god my friend is so lucky mazar has chosen her and we're gonna be sisters this is so great and it's just having the best time but meanwhile, her friend's like fighting it because she's obviously a smarter fairy than this stupid bitch. Um, and <sighs> fuck off. Okay, so <laughs> so he starts trying to hypnotize. Her. Then starts using the friend's pussy juice to tattoo the friend. Oh boy! And starts putting this thing on her. Okay, I know it sounds weird now, but it's not weird yet. Here's what gets what what fuck. This was too much, Julie. This was too much. She and her friend take these stones, these like glowing hypnotizing stones, and put them in their belly buttons like fucking treasure no! holes. No. And 
that's what they were supposed to do. That's how it was supposed to end up was that they were going to have these gems in their belly buttons. So they're treasure troll cyber goths, fairies, <laughs> who are hypnotized to be sex slaves to a crazy wizard. Okay? You following? All I, right. I mean, barely. And Julie, at this point, I'm like 150 pages in because that fucking montage went on forever. Like it went on forever. I'm like, in the real world, no, no, no. You would just go on like demonia.com, go to killstar.com, <laughs> boop, boop, boop. You're good. You're good for the season. Uh, anyway. <sighs> anyway. So um, he has burnt out his magic, but he decides now. He knows the prime minister is at the club. And the husband of Sandy is also at the club. He's not a high-ranking fairy, but like whatever, he has magic. Um, and he knows that the Pathfinder is at the club. And the Pathfinder and the Dark Wizards have a deal. So he's like, I'm good. I'm golden. Okay. So he puts chains on the collars of these women and takes them to the club. There was no reason for that, but he fucking did it because he's <sighs> the hubris, Julie. My God. Um, so he takes them and presents them to like the husband and the and the prime minister and this pathfinder and he's like you're never gonna beat me because i have these fairies and i have i have magic to them to be my sexual slaves and so i guess in this universe there is a whole kind of like i don't know like fairy mancy where they can be like fucking gem lords or something <laughs> which makes them masters and they're the person the people that they control with their gems to be their sex slaves and only the masters can control and satisfy these sex slaves and i'm like sandy is royalty like why would you just royalty like, <laughs> come on um and so <laughs> what kind of fairy's name is tanner okay i'm sorry um so the pathfinder she she's like okay how about how about a game of chance like how about we figure this out with without violence um and she decides that um she's gonna bring them into a, a different realm because she serves this like time lord or something not like doctor who just like a lord of time i don't know um and uh She's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna figure this out. What are the stakes? And the stakes are that um, if they choose the right possible future in a portal, then the wizard wins the sex slaves, and then like as if fairy royalty is chattel. Like I can't, I can't. Okay, um, <laughs> so if he wins. He gets to keep them and then use them for his revenge. Um, and then if he loses, then um, <laughs> then he will pass on ownership of the fairy women back over to their their men, I guess. Um, 
And so then there's this whole thing where like the prime minister is into Kai because they're betrothed. And so he only chooses possible futures where they're together, which are the wrong choices. But I guess because of like a kink and whatever the wizard said when he wins, actually what the stakes were was that he would be free to leave the realm, but um, and nobody would pester him. Like nobody would would follow him, but they they do things so that it comes down to Kai um, choosing to be not a slave to the wizard, but instead a slave to the prime minister. <laughs> yeah, uh, like this this book would not pass the Bechdel test. Like I'm just <laughs> it just wouldn't. So um, so they they do that, and then uh. That that's it and then i th- the epilogue went on for 40 more pages and i was like fuck this fuck no absolutely <laughs> not so all i learned was that in in fixing their tattoos and training them to to manage with their new slave masters being their husbands um they decide that for the final reveal and like the final i guess like dicking because you can't fuck till you're under control otherwise you turn into an elemental um they are have decided to put on a show at the club so they have put like put them in matching cyber goth outfits of course because of course they had matching outfits on hand and then tie them up with those like japanese ropes little shibari little shibari Yeah, yeah 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 and so when it's finally getting down to business what happens well they fucking dissociate and then the pathfinder pulls the women into another realm and then takes their magic away, like their elemental magic. And then like, so they're not even experiencing the fucking that they've been waiting so long for. They're just like, yeah, sister, sister. And then they go back to reality. And then all our main character can think is like, I can't wait to service my master and ends with her sucking his dick. I fast forwarded to that last few pages of this fucking epilogue. And it turns out that, in this other dimension where they sent the wizard, he is now the slave of like a demon. And he's like, I love it. And that, that's the fucking book. But I can't, I can't get over the montage, Julie. Like <laughs> it went on. It was so long. This book could have been 50 pages. Easy. Like that would have been almost too much. 240. And the cover I was like, there's no way this is about fairies um, <laughs> <laughs> because it's just like one cyber goth girl with like the gas mask and the goggles and like really bad, like shitty looking leather and stuff. Um, and then this other one that looks more like I did in high school where she's got like <laughs> the ponytails with like the shitty yarn dreads. And she's all like holding herself all like hunched over, like, I'm uncomfortable. I listen to Jack of Jill, like that me. Um, <laughs> and I, I was just like, there's no way it's about fairies, but I was wrong. I I admit it now. So like there were the parts were spicy, I guess. Like she was she was enthusiastic, even though she was under the influence of like fairy magic. But like I, I guess it was kind of spicy. She had like a little a little butt plug with a gem in it. She was like, yum, yum, yum. Nope. Like just loved it. Um, 
didn't love the treasure troll stuff about it. <laughs> Fucking without some kind of 80s robot in that montage scene that was pointless. Like they spent so much time just talking about wigs. Like just just put the clothes on. Yeah, yeah. Just put, she didn't even have to make any choices. Her friend was just like, here, here's some like shitty um leather. Like, and then she's like, oh, the leather panties felt good. I was like, no, they didn't. Absolutely not. You were probably wearing some like Hanes for hers, like cotton panties. That felt good. I don't, what are you talking about? These leather panties? Like, no, in no universe. <laughs> like, in no universe. Anyway, it's fucking dumb. I hated every second. I, why was it so long? There's no need. And books that were 50 pages. I I was I absolutely thought you were going to tell me this was a 50 page book. No, it was not. Sure. It was a legit novel. Like I looked it up and it, I'm I'm not talking 250 ebook pages. It was 250 pages pages. Oof. Too much. Oof. Too much. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to read read. I'm reading one of her possible futures. Oh, yeah. And this is where she becomes um this is where the wizard, the wizard is confronting the army um, and turns her into a bomb. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. It's a lot of fun. Here we go. <laughs> Fuck off this book. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Borgi the Black came a stentorian voice, abruptly splitting the tension between them. An elven wizard of little renown, mastermind of nothing. <laughs> the man next to her shifted as he took a step forward, his shoulders tensing. You say that, yet you know my name, he retorted. A faint purr behind his words. Your intelligence could fit into a chamber pot. You are not clever. Otherwise, you would not have come here. At first, she thought this was simply another pulse wave of heat from her tattoo. But as the flames began to lick over her breast, she knew it was more. The sweat that had collected at her nipples began to sizzle, instantly hissing in, into steam as her core temperature increased further. She moaned as her body flashed over, burning up from within. What was happening to her? The heat welling up inside her had nowhere to go, and she didn't know what to do with it. Instinctually, she knew that it couldn't stay within her, but she had no control. Her thighs spasmed, clenching together as the heat within her flowed into her chest. Great gouts of... <laughs> Great gouts of flame spurting from her nipples, racing after a violet liquid that spattered onto the ground. Gusts of flame spread over the ground in front of her, spilling over the stony road like napalm. It consumed the purple fluid being ejected from her body as it poured towards the massed group of troops. She shivered, unable to control herself. More and more, the strange fluid ejected from her body, spraying in a high arc. The fire was spreading further, forcing the pikemen back. Borgi laughed harshly. Nice try. But this siege engine is impervious to magic in any form, the wizard declared. Its dual action corp both produces magical energy needed for propulsion while also rejecting any magic outside its bubble. All of your many years of study are useless against this. He raised his hands, pulling back from her a little. Now witness the power of my control over her. Her full transfor transformation into my jewel slave will be your last revelation. When the wizard moved back in, a throbbing plug pressed against her pussy. Her body had, expect had been expecting this, welcoming the thick head of his cock as it prized open her inner lips. Finally, 
She was so incredibly wet, she could barely contain herself. She was finally being fucked. The liquid squirting from her nipples increased, fanning the flames. Soon, the sheet of fire was so pronounced that she could barely see the soldiers in front of them. The pool began to spread in an arc around the siege engine, as if directed by an intelligence. Perhaps it was her, but not by her. She was far too busy enjoying the pleasurable fiction, friction of the wizard's dick as it thrust into her. He traced a design on her back with his talons, the lines burning along with the rest of her. The red gem embedded in her belly button glowed in resonance, the flames rising higher. A fierce wind began to blow around them, whistling through the flames and picking them up. Before the troops could react, the tornado launched some of the magical liquid she had expelled from her breasts, aerosolizing it. Groaning against the gag, her swollen breasts trembled as her skin began to melt into the flames. She was becoming something else at the behest of her master, a creature made of pure fire, burning and cleansing all who resisted his commands. The wizard stroked her ass, admiring the smooth red skin. What hubris to think that he could stop me. Come, my Panair, we have a regicide to attend. Now, the most romantic thing in this book, Julie, is that she was called a siege engine, which <laughs> would do it for me. If, if a guy was like, come to me, my little siege engine, I'd be like, mm, yum, yum, yum. you know, like that, that's romantic. Um, but the word for slave, and this is like P-A-N apostrophe A-R-E. So I just read it as Panera and I was like, <laughs> no. Anyway, so I, I thought that was fun. Like the arc of fluid shooting out of her titties and then like the fire turning into mist. I was like, that's, that's so fun. Like, that's kind of fun. But yeah. Uh, I'm not even going to rate this book. And it had enough accoutrements to last a lifetime. Nothing. No. No. Yeah. Uh, the only accoutrement, like a trivium gift card. You don't, you don't need to go to a club and use sweaty performer clothing like this stuff probably was rank rank anyway uh zero zero that was not i don't recommend it but uh i hate myself for reading it <laughs> don't well, feel good about it don't, don't feel, feel good, good about, about don't feel good about my role in that in, <laughs> in this situation it, no but if you know what like, if my proud. next lover i'm not proud I'm not even close. I oh no, I don't even need to get into it. Next lover though, if they wanted to call me their little siege engine, I'd be like into that. All right, take and then notes. I would, and then I would aeros- aerosolize fire out of my nipples. That's a good time. Great. Well, if you like, are listening and you've got a crush on Renee, keep that in mind. Just saying. I roll into my DMs. Call me a little siege engine. I'll be like, mm-hmm. like putty in your hands. <laughs> I'll call you my little Panera. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. What are you reading for us? Well, it was tough. It was tough, TBH, to figure out what I wanted to read. So I think I'm going to just read uh, a part at the very beginning where the beast. So she has killed what she thought was a giant wolf. She is. She has sold the fur. She has carved up this deer and uh, then there's a a guest that arrives at their little home. Let's do it. 
<laughs> Wait a second. What is happening? Okay. <clears throat> My father was dozing in his chair, his cane laid across his gnarled knee. A good a time as any to broach the subject of Thomas Mandre with Nesta. So her sister's going to marry a piece of shit and she's trying to tell her sister not to. And her sister's like, fuck you, you're just jealous that no one wants you. And she's like, no, this man is abusive and shitty. You do not want him. Um, so now seemed like a good time to broach the subject of Thomas Mandre with Nesta. I turned to her, opening my mouth, but there was a roar that half deafened me. And my sister screamed as snow burst into the room and an enormous growling shape appeared in the doorway. I didn't know how the wooden hilt of my hunting knife had gotten into my hand. The first few moments were a blur of the snarling of a gigantic beast with golden fur, the shrieking of my sisters, the blistering cold cascading into the room, and my father's terror-stricken face. Not a martax, I realized, though the relief was short-lived. The beast had to be as large as a horse, and while his body was somewhat feline, his head was distinctly wolfish. I didn't know what to make of the curled, elk-like horns that protruded from his head. But lion or hound or elk... There was no doubting the damage his black, dagger-like claws and yellow fangs could inflict. Had I been alone in the woods, I might have let myself be swallowed by fear, might have fallen to my knees and wept for a clean and quick death. But I didn't have room for terror. Wouldn't give it an inch of space, despite my heart's wild pounding in my ears. Somehow, I wound up in front of my sisters, even as the creature reared onto its hind legs and bellowed through a maw full of fangs. Murderous! <laughs> Is it Phantom of the Opera? Who knows? But it was, but it was another. <laughs> but it was another word that echoed through me. Fairy. Those ridiculous <laughs> words. <laughs> I can't say fairy without thinking about that fucking meme. I will forever stand by it. TikTok has ruined my life. Those ridiculous words are on our threshold were as good as cobwebs against him. I should have asked the mercenary how she'd killed that fairy, but the beast's thick neck that looked like a good home for my knife. I dared a glance over my shoulder. My sister screamed, kneeling against the wall of the hearth. My father crouched in front of them, another body for me to defend. Stupidly, I took another step towards the fairy, keeping the table between us, fighting the shaking in my head. My, bo my bow and quiver were across the room, past the beast. I'd have to get around him to reach the ash arrow and buy myself enough time to fire it. Murderous! The beast roared again. Heckles <laughs> <laughs> Please! My father babbled from behind me, failing failing to find it in himself to come to my side. Whatever we have done, we did so unknowingly, and we wouldn't kill anyone. Nesta added, choking on her sobs, arm lifted over her head as if that tiny iron bracelet would do anything against this creature. I snatched another dinner knife off the table, and the best I could do, unless I found a way to get to the quiver... Get out! I snapped at the creature, brandishing the knives before me. No iron in sight that I could use as a weapon, unless I chucked my sister's bracelets at him. Get out and be gone! With my trembling hands, I could barely keep my grip on the hilts. A nail? I'd take a damn iron nail if it were available. He bellowed at me in response, and the entire cottage shook, the plates and cups rattling against one another, but it left his massive neck exposed. I hurled my hunting knife. Fast, so fast I could barely see it, he slashed out with a paw, sending it skittering away as he snapped from my face with his teeth. I leaped back, almost stumbling over my cowering father. The fairy could have killed me, could have. Yet the lunge had been a warning. Nesta and Elaine, weeping, prayed to whatever long-forgotten gods might still be skulk skulking about. Who killed him? 
He went from Phantom of the Opera to a poltergeist, and I stand by it. <laughs> the creature stalked towards us. He set a paw on the table, and it groaned beneath him. His claws thudded as they embedded in the wood one by one. I dared step forward as the beast stretched his snout over the table to sniff at us. My voice was surprisingly, even as I challenged, killed who? He growled low and vicious. The wolf, he said, and my heart stumbled a <laughs> Clutching his pearls. The wolf! My darling! The roar was gone, but the wrath lingered, perhaps even traced with sorrow. Elaine's wail reached a high pitched shriek. I kept my chin up. A wolf? A large wolf with a gray coat, he snarled in response. Would he know if I lied? Fairies couldn't lie. All mortals knew that, but could they smell the lies on human tongues? If it was mistakenly killed, I said to the beast as calmly as I could, what payment could we offer in exchange? The payment you must offer is the one demanded by the treaty between our realms. <laughs> For a wolf? I retorted and my father murmured my name in warning. The beast whirled on me. Who killed the wolf? I stared into those jade eyes. I did. Ba, ba, ba. Oh my god. Uh, yes, I am being hired oh. to do the audiobook. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> I don't know how I could possibly read the second and future books without that voice. My incredible narration? It's a gift. It's a gift. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. I, you know, I, I reined myself in because I was like, I didn't want to do like a weird wizard voice this <sighs> early in the season. But you know what? I, and I'm ashamed now because I should have, I, I should have met you where you're at. The bar is, is, has been hot. Like it's high now. You see what happened was last season. First of all, since the very beginning, you crush an accent like nobody else. And I, everyone I did starts off British, ends up Jamaican somehow. It's a problem. <laughs> so I've learned that's not my that's not my forte. But what happened was last season when I read the book about the trolls and the aliens <laughs> and I gave them robot voices, all of those, it just, it established that I, you read unhinged books. I am going to do unhinged voices. That is my contribution to our dynamic duo because uh, it's like how I can't sing for real. So I just sing terribly on purpose. You can actually sing very well. And so we play to our strengths. And when it's a weakness, I turn it into a bit. <laughs> there's, there's no weakness. You oh, are... Thank you. You are like the best of the best. I, uh, <laughs> We're starting off on a high note with season six, baby. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll come in. I'll come in hard next week. Um, so, wow, Julie. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I wish there was a Pulitzer for like voiceover work. <laughs> I'm waiting for my Grammy. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, speaking of next week, Renee, what can folks expect from our next episode? Oh, we're just doing a romance wicka wicka remix. Remix! Romance remixed next week here on Ravage Love. Yay! Yay! You want to sing us out? Sure do, bud. Ravage Love. Ravage Love! Bye! Bye! Art 
artwork for this show is created by Karen McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F-U-S-H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. Connect with us at Ravage Love on Instagram and Twitter, or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. She was a fairy. 